Welcome Larva and Giant Ken to the Monster Smash League, the only place where your favorite horrors and cryptids can battle it out to see who reigns supreme in the world of fantasy and folklore. I'm Batboy, and as always, I'm joined by the mean fiend, Typhon, Greek father of all monsters. Thanks, BB. It's great to be moving the MSO to a wider audience. Too long have the creatures of the night gone without knowing which ugly monstrosity can tough it out against the competition and crush their opponents into a pile of broken exoskeletons and acid blood. Right you are, Ty. And might I say thank you for not trying to get all 100 of your heads in here on the microphone. We came to a consensus that head number 42 was the best color commentator, so that's what you're getting today. Always a pleasure. How's the family? Terrifying and numerous. Echidna has been busting my balls about not spending enough time with the kids, but I don't get what she expects me to do. A strong father figure is important in every young ghoul's maturation time. Yeah, I get that, but there isn't enough time in the day to play catch with thousands of progeny. At some point, I have to make some tough decisions. Are you picking favorites? Doesn't sound like an effective parenting strategy. BB, I don't call them favorites. I call them proactive. They're the ones who ate several siblings just to get my attention. Oh my. It's fine. Most of them were immortal anyway and, um, you know, uh, came back naturally to the family. Wait, are you saying... That little Orthrus had to squeeze his brother Chimera out after a particularly rough night on the chamber pot? Yes, I am. But that's parenting for you. It really isn't. Oh, that's right. You don't have any kids, right, BB? No, sir. I'm 38 years old, well past the optimal age of fertility for my species. So your family line ends with you, eh? Not at all. I have an older sister in West Virginia. She's already had a kid, so the family lives on. Wait, since when do you have a sister? Her name is Ruth Carter Cash Boy. Our mother, Susan Boy, was a country singer. Quite good, too. Sort of a more regional Dolly Parton. Your last name is actually Boy? Of course. Why else would I be called Bat Boy? Well, uh, you know, because, um, it... It was the headline in a tabloid. I know most people boil their knowledge of me down to that infamous news story. But there's a lot more to me than freaky photos. Read my Wikipedia page if you don't believe me. I can't. The Wi-Fi in the underworld is terrible. Hades says we're switching to fiber optic, but I'll believe that when I see it. Now, for those of you who are joining us for the very first time... Which should be all of you, since this is the first episode. Let me break down how a round of Monster Smash works. Two monsters from folklore, literature, mythology, urban legend, or beyond will battle it out to see who will win in a head-to-head clash. Ty and I will spend a portion of the pregame laying out the background and skills of each competitor to give you an idea of what these things can really do. We'll also be featuring expert analysis, interviews, and other fun segments to heighten the experience. You'll get all the play-by-play action straight from us as the two nightmares battle it out. Every fire breath, every stinging barb, every petrifying gaze, we'll call it as we see it until only one monster is left standing. Now, for the purposes of this competition, we have to mention that fights end when the other fighter is deemed unable to continue. This means that you don't have to kill your opponent to win. 
Point of fact, a lot of these guys are immortal, indestructible, or already dead, so killing them is pretty much not going to happen. But you can disable, cripple, or trap an invulnerable foe to take it out. Just be aware that we have made sure the playing field is as level as possible with these overpowered fighters. So with all of that out of the way, let's see who is out for blood in the Monster Smash League! To introduce our matchup tonight, we're sending it over to our eye-behind-the-scenes Jenny Green teeth. Jenny? Thanks, BB. I'm reporting from the stands where the crowd is going wild for the first ever Monster Smash. Literally going wild, I might add, since many of them are feral or influenced by the full moon that perpetually shines over the Aberration Station Arena here in beautiful limbo. The fans are especially excited tonight because our first fight is a doozy. It's going to be the North American flesh eater of the forest, the Wendigo, taking on the Austrian birch switch enthusiast and Santa's BFF, Krampus. What a match to start us off with. These two aren't rookies, that's for sure. Right you are, Ty. For this fight, the Aberration Station Arena will be using the Winter Forest terrain, allowing both creatures to work in an atmosphere they're comfortable with. Before we get there, though, we gotta break down what these things can do. And we'll do just that after this brief message from our sponsors. Honey, it's your own fault for double parking at the carnival. I have a meeting with corporate in an hour. I can't go like this. Hark, I hear screams of frustration. Bigfoot? In the fur. Sounds like your husband is having a problem. Oh, he is. A gypsy cursed him, and now his feet are gigantic. None of his socks fit anymore. Gosh dang it, I ripped another pair. Sounds like you need Socksquatch. What? Socksquatch. It's a new online footwear company catering exclusively to folks with large feet. How big are we talking here? Take a look. Why, Bigfoot, those Argyle socks look so fancy on you. Of course they do. And this isn't even their biggest size. I tried to put one on and accidentally kicked the kid through the wall. Sounds like we found Socksquatch just in time. You bet your petite hooves you did. Just go to www.socksquatchusa.com today. I'll get online right now. I stepped on the laptop. Oh. Don't worry, you can also download their app. Thanks, Bigfoot. And thanks, Socksquatch. If you were to travel back to the late 19th century Canada, you would hear from some of the Algonquin people the tale of Swift Runner. Born in Alberta, Swift Runner was a popular man in the Cree community. Father to six children, trapper, and guide for the Northwest Mounted Police. But eventually, things would take a turn for the worse. Swift Runner would become an angry alcoholic would be fired from the police and exiled from his own tribe. Then, in the winter of 1878, 
Swift Runner took his whole family, including his wife, six kids, mother-in-law, and brother, out into the forest. In the spring, he stumbled out of the woods into a local Catholic church and proclaimed that his whole family was dead. I wasn't able to find any food, he lamented. Slowly everyone starved. The priests of the church were confused. Many of the Cree had had a successful winter of hunting. Also, Swift Runner appeared quite healthy for someone who should have been starving. More disturbing, however, were the constant fits of screaming that he would have in the middle of the night. Convinced Swift Runner had killed his family, the priests informed the authorities. The police, after getting him drunk enough to be compliant, followed Swift Runner into his winter campsite, where a horrific discovery was made. Blood-stained ground, bones snapped with the marrow sucked out, and a pot of human fat. It is said that Swift Runner, when confronted with so much evidence, finally revealed he had been possessed by an evil spirit, the Wendigo. The Wendigo, a spirit of violence and hunger, forced him to kill and eat his entire family. Try as he might, his supernatural defense failed him when he was sentenced to death after only 20 minutes of jury deliberation. In December of 1879, Swift Runner became the first man legally hanged in Alberta, Canada. Wow. Yeah. That's messed up. Didn't you just mention that your kids eat each other regularly? Well, yeah, but that's different. We're monsters. Perhaps the greatest monster is man. Nah, pretty sure the greatest monster is Mothra. Anyway, Swift Runner is largely considered to be an example of one of the Wendigo's most terrifying abilities. Possession. Cannibal-crazed mortals eating each other and becoming new Wendigos, right? It's how the Wendigo reproduces. Measuring around 15 feet tall, this thing is a barrel of contradictions. It looks emaciated, rotting, and skeletal, but also powerful and large. I mean, Google a picture of this thing if you aren't familiar. Definitely not something you want to see in the middle of the night after taking a pee from your tent. Unfortunately, even in broad daylight, the Wendigo is capable of transforming its surroundings to fit its needs. It can manipulate visibility using dark magic to influence the weather, frequently causing snowstorms and fog to obscure it from its prey. And if you happen to think, hey, it's almost sundown, I'll just get home before it's dark, I got bad news for you. Old Wendy is able to bring natural darkness early if it wants. Hey, Ty. Oh, Jenny, what's up? I don't know if you were going to mention this, but the Wendigo has an otherworldly stench of death and decay about it also. Well, yeah, of course we were going to talk about that. Why'd you bring it up? Well, I just walked past the outside of the Wendigo's locker room. There are two thick steel doors between us, and I vomited four times already. It's quite horrendous, and I should know I live in a swamp. We should also mention that the Wendigo is an apex predator. Straight up like Wolverine. Scent like a bloodhound, night vision, keen hearing, etc. It's also ridiculously strong and faster than your average Olympic sprinter. Also, despite its size and smell, it is exceptional at stealth, with most people being unaware it's nearby until it's too late. 
It can even walk on the top of deep snow and water. How's this thing gonna disembowel you? Well, Wendy has a set of skeletal claws, some deadly antlers, and a gruesome bite. You've brought up an interesting point, Ty, which is that the Wendigo's big weakness is its lack of mid- and long-range attacks. Yeah, it definitely has to be up close and personal to do some damage. Also, fire is a weakness. If its opponent can stay out of reach and utilize some sort of heat attack, Wendy is going to be in trouble. With more on that, we're sending it over to Jenny Greenteeth, who is standing by with a special guest. Jenny? Thanks, BB. Joining me now is the ghost of Algernon Blackwood, author of the popular novella, The Wendigo. Mr. Blackwood, thank you for agreeing to manifest. Thank you for having me. Now, your short story features two Scotsmen hunting moose in northwestern Ontario when one of their guides suddenly becomes terrified and disappears in the night only to return sometime later delirious and frostbitten. Uh, he dies soon after that. So, it isn't super clear what happens to this... Defago? Uh, uh, y- yes, Joseph Defago. Defago. Mm-hmm. It isn't super clear what happens to him. Is there a Wendigo in this story? Their cook. An indigenous local certainly seemed to think so. Right, but is it ever confirmed? Perhaps. Well, maybe not. It's up to you. Great. How did you know so much about Canada? I lived in Canada as a dairy farmer for a time. Oh, that's random. I thought you were an English broadcaster primarily. Yes, but I also spent six months in Canada running a hotel. Don't you mean dairy farm? Oh, I I did both. Huh? I also worked for a newspaper in New York. Okay, well, that makes more sense. Also a bartender. Okay. A private secretary. Um... A businessman. Yeah, I I got it. Model. What? And a violin teacher. So... Since you wrote a novella that, um, I guess could be about a Wendigo, how do you think the match will play out today? Oh, I presume the Wendigo will emerge victorious. There isn't anything quite like the combination of deadly predator and primal savagery that its opponent will bring to the table. The Wendigo is able to stalk prey with dangerous precision. Not only that... But even attacks that normally slow down a creature have no effect on this abomination. Tangling vines. Deep snow, quicksand, dangerous storms, water! The Windigo moves through these as if it was intangible. Truly the stuff of nightmares. I don't see how Krampus will be able to compete. Thank you, Mr. Blackwood. Well, we'll find out who wins later on in the program, but before that... We need to take a look at St. Nicholas's menacing counterpart right after these words from our sponsor. Hi there. I'm that creepy little girl you see skipping rope and chanting lullabies with other equally disturbing kids in your dreams. If there's one thing that guarantees I won't have the energy to play double dutch while you run screaming from unknowable terrors, it's a sleepless night on an uncomfortable mattress. Luckily for me and my gal pals, we found the Elm Street Mattress Company. Their patented Dream Demon hybrid coil technology contours to your spine, easing that tingling feeling and letting you get the undisturbed rest you deserve. Still not sure you want to commit to Elm Street? That's okay too. They offer a risk-free 30-day trial. If you're not dying to keep it after one month, you can return it with a full money-back guarantee. Go to www.elmstreetnightnight.com 
and use offer code SMASH for 5% off your first mattress. Sweet dreams! Imagine the year is 1650 and you're a small child. It is December 5th and you are just about to go to sleep, eagerly awaiting the feast of St. Nicholas the following day. You've been good all year and you can't wait to see the towering figure of St. Nicholas. He'll be carrying his gold staff and wearing his vestments and he'll smile at you, for he knows who has been benevolent. It's comforting to know that you will be safe and happy, just as you are about to succumb to dreams of the gifts you may receive. You hear a chain rattle and a scream from the street outside. When you scramble from your bed to glance out the window, you can see another child desperately trying to flee from a looming horned figure as it whips its chains threateningly against the ground and grunts in a low voice. The creature has one human foot and one cloven hoof and carries an open wicker basket on its back that just happens to be large enough for one terrified youth. Poor little William, you think to yourself, I told him not to steal that apple, for you know that he is at the mercy of the half-goat, half-demon Krampus, punisher of the naughty children. You take a last look as you close the curtain, knowing that William may be gone tomorrow. If he is lucky, he'll merely be beaten and bruised by the chains and birch bundle that Krampus carries to torture boys and girls who have been bad. If he is unlucky, he might be captured in Krampus's magical wicker basket to be transported down to hell. If he is to return, it won't be until after a year of torment and horror. Of course, he may just be drowned or devoured by the monster. For this is Krampusnacht, the night when evil children are ignored by Saint Nicholas and judged by a being that some believe to be the son of Hell, goddess of the underworld in Norse mythology. But whether Krampus is a child of a god, a remnant of pagan rituals, a demonic descendant of Greek mythology, or the son of Satan himself, one thing is clear. If you're on the naughty list, there are worse things than a lump of coal in your stocking. Krampus is watching. Clocking in at a respectable seven feet tall is Santa's dark companion himself, Krampus. The first major feature of Krampus is that he is a demon. Or a devil. A fiend, either way. But no matter what, that means he comes from an elite class. Fiends tend to have a reputation amongst us monsters for being tough as nails and smarter than your average owlbear. In most cultures, demons and devils are represented as being incredibly intelligent, shockingly strong, and nigh impossible to kill. It's kind of like being born an Olympic-caliber athlete. He's one lucky goat man. But Krampus's good genes aren't the only reason he's a contender here at MSL. 
Santa's not-so-little helper comes equipped with some nasty tools of his trade. This guy is packing chains, birch tree branches, and a wicker basket that's capable of capturing anyone he might want to throw into a river or take home for dinner. What are your thoughts on that basket, Ty? Possible game-changer, BB. If he can lock the Wendigo down, he can herd it at his leisure. Krampus is also known for his teleportation and invisibility. Now that's a one-two punch of terror for naughty children trying to hide, and a haymaker of frustration for his opponents. Rounding out his bag of tricks is an unnatural aura of dread that constantly surrounds him. Now that the world knows more about this guy, I feel like this is a good time to bring up the idea of canceling the whole thing. The whole what? Christmas! Krabbishnacht isn't Christmas. All I'm saying, BB, is that Christmas is not the friendly holiday that everyone thinks it is. Honestly, I think kids should steer clear of it. Still bitter about never getting presents? I'm not bitter. That guy holds a grudge. Ty, you stole Santa's girlfriend. In high school, BB, it's been several millennia. Besides, he found someone eventually. Plus, I spared him from getting hurt. Sekhmet wasn't right for either of us. Okay. Dry breath, BB. Created the desert, you know. Yes, you've mentioned. Head of a lion, too. Actually, when Echidna had the Nemean lion, I was worried. Then I realized it doesn't work that way at all. What? You know, babies. Okay. With more on how Krampus might be able to combat the Wendigo, we're throwing it over to our hairiest Monster Smash analyst, Yowie. Yowie? Mighty fine words, BB. So, you're looking to find out how this Chrissy mongrel will fare against the Drongo looking for a bit of tucker? Now, Krampus seems like he thinks he's a bit of a digger, but the harsh truth is that Dag deals exclusively in ankle biters. If he thinks he can approach this scuffle with the Wendigo in the same way, he's got kangaroos loose in the top paddock. Krampus needs to stay calm, keep his wits about him, and realize that he's dealing with a predator. So, Yowie... Would you say that Krampus's advantage over the Wendigo lies in his intelligence? Righto, BB. He's gonna be hunted in this brawl, and the only way to come out on top is to outthink that forest swagman. The Wendigo is no wuss, and if Krampus starts to spit the dummy, he stands Buckley's chance of winning. Those tools at the right time, though, he'll be ducks. What are your thoughts about that aura of fear that Krampus radiates? Ah, it's a beauty of an ability. But the dead set is that it probably isn't anything to skite about. The Wendigo is almost mindless in its hunger, so it doesn't have time for fear. But I could be wrong. We'll have to wait and see. That we will, Yowie. Thanks for your clear and concise observations as usual. Only the good oil for ya. Hooroo! Hooroo to you too! Well, we've analyzed the competitors, heard the opinions, and now it's time to see it in action. We're gonna bump some uglies. Maybe try that again. Yeah, I uh, heard that right as I said it. Some ugly monsters are going to aggressively confront each other. Right after this short break. Greetings from the Gift of the Nile. Ramses II here to talk to you about something we pharaohs know a lot about. Security. Listen, we all want our valuables kept safe. Whether in a tomb, a vault, or even in a submerged cavern beneath the ocean. But you hear it on the news all the time. Tomb Raider discovers treasure hoard. Lucky vault hunter strikes it rich. Divers flipping their fins find Atlantis. Well, as a pharaoh, I say no more. 
That's why I personally want to recommend Guardian Safe. Instead of cumbersome curses or hard to upkeep traps, Guardian Safe installs a deluxe Sphinx to patrol your property. Guardian Safe Sphinxes come equipped with immortality. They don't need to be fed or constantly tended to. Not only that, but Guardian Safe has provided each Sphinx with over 1,000 impossible to solve riddles, meaning even tricky halflings and the most scholarly of invaders will be swiftly devoured before reaching your ancestor's brooch of power. And for those who definitely want to ensure their precious gold stays untouched, Guardian Safe is offering the Greco Upgrade. Three manticores are placed beyond the Sphinx. Now that's an add-on fit for a king. So go to www.guardiansaferiddle.com for a free consultation. Guardian Safe. Security you can't question. Welcome back to the first episode of the Monster Smash League. Once again, I'm Batboy, and of course, joining me on commentary is Typhon, Greek father of all monsters. Great to be here. The time has come to send it down to the field where our debut match, the Wendigo vs. Krampus, is about to begin. I'm so excited, I could chuck a mountain at Zeus, BB. Please don't. Monster Smash! No surprise here, Ty. We can hear the footsteps of what I assume is Krampus, but we can't see him. No sign of the Wendigo either. This may turn into a dangerous game of cat and mouse. Sneaky stuff is fine and all, but we're here to see fighting. We've never been let down before. I'm sure it's coming. <laughs> Well, that's creepy. Why is Krampus giving away his position? I'm not sure. It could be dangerous to- Whoa! That's a big claw! The Wendigo has made its presence known. A swift swipe down at the spot where the invisible Krampus's footprints stop in the snow. That had to hurt! Wait, I don't think it did. Krampus is still singing and the Wendigo has started sniffing the air. By Apollo's weekend chariot, Krampus lured him in and teleported while still invisible. The Wendigo recoils from the whip of the chain. Wendy has got to figure out where Krampus is, otherwise this isn't going to stop. Two more solid blows by the elusive demon. If only... Apex Predator indeed! The Wendigo has used its heightened senses to negate Krampus's invisibility and has grabbed the chain! A mighty pull of the chain and Krampus has just met the Wendigo's thick antlers in the worst way possible! That's the downside of using a weapon like that, BB! Always the risk of it being used against you! Krampus is visible now, realizing that his ambush strategy has failed. Good adjustment there! Krampus is now ducking and weaving through the much larger beast's attacks! 
And now we're getting a look at that bundle of birch branches as they slap and sting the emaciated skin of the Wendigo's legs. Is it getting darker? Krampus was nearly fried right there! Where'd that lightning come from? Well, Ty, the Wendigo is known to be able to control the weather. I'm guessing this is it. The action is fast and furious as Krampus keeps narrowly dodging those strikes. Not only that, he's getting some shots in still. Krampus is tenderizing that bony beast with those branches. Wendy makes a huge mistake. The lightning has lit a tree on fire. The Wendigo seems wary of those flames. That thing needs to realize it isn't going to hit a teleporter with that. It's just making things worse for itself. Krampus has removed the basket from his back and seems like he's plotting something. Wendy has disappeared into the trees again. Perhaps it is regrouping. Wait, who's that? Are those humans? Barely, Ty. It seems the Wendigo's new strategy is to use its possessed victims to soften up the fiend. Is that fair? Bringing minions to a monster smash? As long as the minions are a result of the monster's recorded abilities, cannibalistic mortals are absolutely in the Wendigo's arsenal. They're on top of him! is laughing while fighting these guys off. Yes, but how long can he hold out? Would you look at that? A very skillful use of the basket. Krampus has captured each of the proto-Wendigos. Looks like we won't see them again until after a year in hell. Infernal smokes! Did you see that? The Wendigo is fast! Without any wasted movement, it descended from a hidden spot in the canopy and locked its teeth onto Krampus's shoulder. It's picking him up, and... It just chucked Krampus like a ragdoll through a burning tree! A devastating turn of events for Krampus, but... Wait a moment. That's... Krampus emerging from the fire! He's definitely bleeding, but it seems the fire has little effect. Fiends, BB. Fire is like a spa treatment for them. It looks like Krampus's birch bundle is alight. So not only is he still up, he's got a flaming weapon now. The Wendigo is trying to dodge, but its size has become detrimental. Old Wendy's skin is starting to blister. I'd figure something out quicker. This is going to be over. Looks like it heard you, Ty, because the Wendigo is trying to retreat. Oh, but look at that. That ain't gonna work. Krampus is like a teleporting sheepdog, hurting its prey into a flaming corral. 
Not just that, it's... What strategy? Krampus forced the Wendigo back until it tripped into his basket. I guess that thing is magical. I didn't think something that big would fit. That's what she said. (laughs) (sighs) Of course. Krampus has hoisted his prize over his shoulder and seems to be walking merrily over to the inferno. He's gonna cook him! Is this it? He's almost there! Krampus is the... Hold on! What's that face he's making? Krampus is sick? Whoa, you smell that? Oh my, yes. That, that's something else. What is that? (laughs) The crowd is starting to be affected too. For the love of succubi, make it stop! Uh, Ty, look! A huge skeletal claw has just burst out of Krampus's chest! Hard to see through my watering eyes, but it sounded gross! And continues to sound gross! The claw is extending further out, followed by another claw... Krampus is just standing there with a horrified expression. Here's Wendy! The Wendigo's full 15-foot frame has climbed through the demon's torso. Krampus is down! He's not moving! Not that I'm surprised, that was horrifying in all the best ways. It seems, as Mr. Blackwood said, it's impossible to trap the Wendigo, even in a magical container. It managed to lure Krampus into a false sense of security before easily escaping the basket and exiting out the front. I'm so impressed by that beast. He's not even celebrating. He's eating the corpse. I think that's celebration enough, Ty. I love this sport. As the creatures here at the Aberration Station Arena continue to cheer for our winner, I'd like to thank all of you for joining us on the first edition of the Monster Smash League. More monstrous mayhem to come! For Yowie, Jenny Greenteeth, and Typhon, Greek father of all monsters, I'm Batboy, telling you to spay and neuter your hellhounds and devil cats. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>